House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. On the other side of the country, we have David North Martino. Oh, you used my full name. <laughs> wow. Well, we kind of getting into that because you know we got the serial killer thing going on. So, oh, just, perfect! I wanted to make sure that you know you fit right in there. You know, yes, Mr. I do, Mister. Going out to the movie theaters. Did you have to wear a mask and all that too? Like where you guys all? Um, you had to when you walked in, and then you could take it down when you were eating and stuff when you were watching the movie. You're not allowed to eat. <laughs> what do you mean eating? You popcorn. You, popcorn, yeah, and butter on it, right? Um, I don't think we put butter on it. I think oh, we please. Kept it, I think we just kept it plain. No extra butter. You had some water. comes with butter. Water, please. No extra butter. No extra butter. You had whiskey. You had an apple well, dessert, I had, right? Um, yes, apple crisp. but did have ice cream. So why I had to did, take milk pills, yeah. Why didn't I told you to have <laughs> salad with dressing on the I, side? I had swordfish with... Um, uh, roasted, yeah. uh, uh, whatever. Yeah, I saw them. Right lots of butter and all that oh, stuff. Oh. I could see it. <laughs> you were dieting, and you, you're out having pop, popcorn with butter, and you're having <laughs> apple crisp dessert with ice cream. This is this is a cheat day. Well, I don't, I'm not talking about the money here. You're in the money. We know that. No but, cheat, but, cheat, cheat. <laughs> I was cheating. Well, when did you stop cheating? <laughs> That's true. Okay. I mean, I'm, how many days do you? I'm giving it to you. I know what's going on over there. I see it. You do. I do. I'm. I'm. I'm watching. You know. Never took me you to keep the me movie. honest. Yeah. Never take me to the movie. That's fine. <laughs> I get too far. Well, that's too bad. I'll send a plane. <laughs> yeah. Send your jet. Send my uh, jet. I'll send the jet down. Send your jet and pick me up. You know. <laughs> the rose jet. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there you go. See, you got it made. Well, anyway, so we are continuing um, interviewing a lot of authors, and uh, today we've got I, we we've had him on uh, years ago. He was doing uh, true crime at that time, and that's what we had him on for a true crime book. Um, so now he's got a legal thriller, and he's got all sorts of stuff going on. You know, we've got a lot of mm. a lot of catching up here. So, um, welcome to the show, Mr. R. Barry Flowers. Well, thank you. Happy to be back. House of Mystery. Yeah, we are. We are in a mystery. If you're a writer, you live in the House of Mystery. <laughs> right, that's for sure. <laughs> so I, I tell you, so last time you were doing uh, True Crime, and uh, now you've kind of gone into this thriller. Maybe you always have. I just didn't realize it. So um, ha do you like writing both? Back uh, and yes, forth? I do. I do like writing both. True Crime is... The good thing about true crime is that it's true. The truth is stranger than fiction, as they say. So I like the idea of being able to delve into real-life crimes and uh, the whole process from uh, the criminality taking place to the police investigation and the ultimate capture, hopefully, of the culprit and then the trial, conviction, imprisonment. So that is great, and there's a huge group of true crime fans out there that can't get enough of it. They watch those uh, reality 
true crime uh, documentaries on TV, investigation, discovery, and such, and they just really eat it up. But then there's also another group of fans of thriller fiction that they want their, they want it to have some of the same true crime element, but they want to believe that it's just make-believe, that it's something that is from a safe distance, if you will, through fiction. And so I uh, tend to rotate back and forth between the two, and it's been interesting. Keeps me on my feet. <laughs> oh, I bet. I, I guess there's a certain amount of freedom doing uh, a legal thriller or a crime fiction as compared to uh, true crime, because true crime you have to go out and find out what people are doing and how they did it, and you're just kind of reporting on it, whereas the uh, this legal thriller, you're kind of creating all the crimes. So it's your way of committing crimes without doing it. Right, without getting caught or having to deal with the ultimate price. <laughs> How do you put this together? So your new book, Exposed Evidence, um, and this is a Jessica Frost legal thriller. So let's talk about this. So how did you create Jessica Frost? Like, who is she? Well, Jessica Frost is a criminal defense attorney. Um, I started with this concept of a co-ed being caught red-handed holding a murder weapon legally, uh, literally, I should say, over a dead body and how I might broaden that into a tall legal thriller with various twists and turns before we really get to the basic question, is she or is she not guilty of murder? And so that's the whole essence of this story. And uh, Jessica Frost is the attorney that's hired by this co-ed, Stephanie Dozier, who's accused of murdering her roommate, college roommate, uh, stabbing her to death, and is caught holding a murder weapon when the police arrive. So all signs point toward guilt, and then it's up to Jessica Frost to disprove this and suggest that all may not be what it seems. Or it may be. That'll be the... (laughs) Yeah, a million dollar question. <laughs> so, how did you create Jessica Frost, like her character, and do you, do you kind of um, take someone that you see on television, or do you see, or do you, people you know, um, like how is it that you kind of make her tick, like and make her characteristics, and and what kind of a person she is, and how she talks and acts? Is that all completely just out of you, or is it different people you know? I'd say that Jessica Frost is a combination of both fiction, just uh, the creative juices flowing, and attorneys that I've spoken to over the years for uh, true crime research that have impressed me in their commitment to the task of either defense attorneys or prosecution. And so, you know, using some of that, keeping those people in mind over the years have helped me to create this character that's a uh, straight and narrow attorney that's also um, willing to take risk to achieve the end game that she seeks, which in this case is trying to prove that her client is innocent of first-degree murder. 
so that's how I created Jessica Frost, and I think that she's very intriguing character, and that uh, readers will gravitate around her as she pursues her job, which is to defend her client. I was wondering, uh, can you hear Jessica in your head when uh, when you're writing her? Um, how do you create her voice? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, yes, actually, I can't hear her in my head when I'm uh, creating the character dialogue and such. Um, I just, uh, I think it just comes natural over the years. I've been writing for a long time now, uh, approaching 40 years. <laughs> so I've been writing uh, fiction and nonfiction for a very long time. And so it just sort of comes natural at this point for each book, uh, especially fiction. And so I think she just uh, came to me the moment the character was created, then I could hear her even as I moved through the process of writing the book. Over 40 years, you must hear a lot of voices now. Yes. <laughs> How do you know yes, it was real? Think, right. <laughs> you know, do you walk down the road and people think, well, who's he talking to? <laughs> yes, I have to uh, try to uh, keep a proper perspective uh, so that I can separate all that from real life whether it's fiction or nonfiction, uh, try not to uh, take it too seriously, have fun doing it, and uh, try to keep the characters real, as real as possible, uh, but also step away from the whole process of writing whenever I'm able to just enjoy regular life. But what do you like writing better? Is it fiction or nonfiction? Uh, fiction, definitely. For nonfiction, uh, I've written, in addition to true crime, I've written a lot of criminology books. And while they both have their place in society, uh, they you have to follow certain guidelines to uh, for accuracy or and for research and uh, validation. Whereas for fiction, you can get the creative juices flowing, imagination working for you, and you can just use some of the things you know in life. In my case, I'm able to use my criminology background and true crime to enhance the credibility of the characters and the plot in my novels. So it's a win-win for me in that respect. And it allows me to stress the boundaries somewhat, you could say, for fiction that you can't do with nonfiction. Whether it's true crime or criminology, you, you know, got to be on the mark of something that is not just credible, but real. Whereas for mystery and thriller fiction, it can seem real, but it still is fictional. But the trick is to be able to write great thrillers that still seems real, as opposed to thrillers that have little credibility to a reader as being something that could really happen. 
Hmm. It's interesting. You know, but it, it, I, I've written some true crime myself. When you when you write it a lot of times, or for me anyway, I should say when I write it, um, I find that when I'm covering a story, I kind of try to make a point with it um, and what happened in the case. So do you do, you do the same, and do, you, and do you do that with your fiction as well? Are you trying to... Um, get a certain point across like when if i read exposed evidence at the end of it other than the surface story of what happens to the character and and what jessica frost does to get her her person off and and what goes on um is there also an underlying subject or point you're trying to get across to the reader yes actually i think in this case um i'm trying to not only tell the story, but show some of the complexities of the criminal justice system itself and how people can be accused of something that may or may not be guilty, but a lot of it can depend on everything from police discretion to attorneys that may have their own agenda. For example, the prosecutor that Jessica's up against She's seeking higher office, and that is coloring her own perspective of the case. So she sees the case as a stepping stone toward her own higher aspirations. And as a result, she may not see things as clearly as she should because she's so determined to get a conviction. And then uh, also I, a side plot to the story, but still instrumental, is that the victim was part of a group of co-eds who were seducing college, married college professors and then blackmailing them afterward to keep it a secret. So that's another twist in the plot that uh, could have a bearing on the final outcome. But it also, in this case, I was hoping to show that even if something may be apparent just to the naked eye, there may be underlying factors that has to be delved into before you reach a final conclusion. I also noticed that you, you write under a pseudonym of uh, Devin Vaughn Archer, and that is for... Um, it looks like uh, more mainstream romance, young adult novels and stuff. Uh, why Why the other name? Do you just not want to get them kind of cross-mixed, or uh, why is that? Uh, that's a great question, too. Well, uh, when I first started uh, using Devin Von Archer more than a decade ago, actually, uh, the editor, who was an editor at Harlequin Publishing at the time, she wanted to try some male romance writers. They didn't have very many. They still don't with Harlequin. And so she felt that my name, R. Barry Flowers, uh, Barry ending with an I, was too ambiguous as to whether I was male or female. So she wanted me to have a male name that left no doubt that the writer was male. And so... Between her and me, we came up with Devin Barn Archer. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, Flowers isn't exactly a 
doesn't sound yeah or berry flowers yeah it's, it's unusual that's an unusual name even to write uh killer books you know and crime <laughs> uh that is true yes uh but uh fortunately uh once they actually read the books themselves then that takes center stage uh beyond my own name and then of course i've also been on uh some tv uh documentaries like on Investigation Discovery and Biography Channel. And so I've gotten to talk um, about some different true crimes and serial killers and the like that has identified me as a true crime writer and a person that's an expert on criminality and serial killers in particular. Yeah, yeah that's pretty interesting. Um did you, did you, um, what made you get into it? That's the way I should go. Um, what made you start doing this like 40 years ago? Well, I graduated from Michigan State University with a master's and bachelor's in criminal justice. And I had my thesis published, my very first book. And, uh, having always had the writer within me, I, that was seemed like a natural uh, follow-up to graduating with degrees in criminal justice to start writing uh, books in criminal justice and uh, true crime as a result of that. So I started off writing criminology books for a number of years, and then that evolved into true crime. And then from that, I moved into mystery and thriller fiction and have been doing them all ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just been a long time, too. How long does it take you to write a book? Uh, I'd say about four months for a novel, maybe more like six or seven months for a criminology book or true crime. What kind of process do you have? Are you are you the type of guy that can sit down and write eight hours a day and every day, or you, can you say, well, I've got this amount of time, I will write? Can you just sit down and turn it on and write, or do you have to be in a particular mood? Uh, well, I pretty much write every single day of the year, uh, about six to eight hours every day. And uh, I have a routine. I just get up uh, around 6 o'clock, and uh, by 7, I have my computer, and I do that on a daily basis if I – uh, when I'm not writing at all, if I, you know, I'm caught up and I have a little time apart from the writing, I can easily move away from it and do other things without uh, feeling the uh, hankering to jump back into the fire, so to speak. But when I am working on something, I'm solely devoted to that and will stick it out uh, from beginning to end. When you, I notice some of you've got you get series of books too, like Murder in Hawaii's Mysteries and the Five Book Bundle and stuff. When you do a series, and even this Jessica Frost legal thriller, um, this is a character that you'll reuse. Um, how is it that you you keep track of everything, and and do you outline these stories ahead of time? Yes, I do actually. Uh so that you have some sense of direction. Um, I like to 
map it out as to what, like in this case, Jessica Prowse will be doing next, once, what's the next uh, big case after this. And then uh, similarly with other series, I try to have it all outlined uh, either in my head or on paper so that I have a good sense of where I'm going with it. Like I have a series, in fact, with Harlequin Intrigue uh, that will be, it's a four-book series. This takes place all four of the books in Hawaii, only uh, each one on a different island. And so uh, I have two of them coming out this year, uh, The Big Island Killer and Kidnapped on Kauai in September and October, respectively. And each one has to do with a law enforcement uh, protagonist going after some criminals of one type or another and then trying to solve the case. Um, but I have to have a handle on where I'm going in advance with these books so that I can, for one, I have to sell it to the publisher that way. They like to know in advance themselves where you're going with your idea, no matter how great the idea may sound just uh, in theory. They want you to show what you get, show your cards. And so which I like to do anyway because I want to know where I'm going as well and uh, plot my strategy in advance so it will flow smoothly from that point on. Well, I was wondering, you know, you uh, although you outline, I was wondering, are you in complete control of your characters or have you ever had a character kind of refuse to go along with that outline, with that plot, and maybe do something that surprised you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I have had characters that I had one idea on the character and the character's personality and circumstances, and then almost as though the character had a mind of his or her own, uh, I found things shifting from my original concept to a whole different set of dynamics for the character that I had to work with almost as though it was writing itself and I was just uh, go-between. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to uh, revise your outline or do you, do you just go from uh, wherever the character is going to take you from that? Point? I usually just go with wherever the character takes me and then make the adjustments accordingly. Mm. Do you have a favorite writer yourself or someone that you uh, you like to read or any other influences besides writers? I've liked a lot of uh, writers over the years uh, in all uh, genres. Uh, Sidney Sheldon, uh, Mickey Spillane, Dashiell Hammett, and uh, Daniel Still, really numerous uh, authors. But then I've also been influenced by other people uh, like Cesar Lombroso, uh, who was a criminologist way back when and uh, just uh, basically I'm anyone that can succeed in their endeavors in life whatever their lot may be it leaves an impression on me because I think that uh, 
anyone who really applies oneself can find success. And so I'm always inspired by such individuals, whatever they may be doing in their lives. If someone had never never read any of your books before, um, which one book would you uh, tell them to read? Uh, that is a great question. <laughs> um, I would have to say um, a historical thriller I wrote a few years ago called Dark Streets of Whitechapel. And it actually is a fictional account of Jack the Ripper, only it has the Ripper originating from America and escaping to London in 1888. And then it... Uh, as opposed to when we hear about Jack the Ripper, in general, we just think of him as a mad serial killer, which he was, uh, killing five prostitutes in a brutal fashion. But in the case of my novel, I tried to humanize him a bit. While he still commits the crime, then I have him find a love interest. Um, and then at the same time, I have a detective that's pulling out all the stops to catch him, uh, stop him in his tracks. So I loved that story, and it gave me the opportunity to write my first historical novel and to dig into some of the ins and outs of life in Victorian England and in America as well at that time. And so I really liked that book, and I think that other people who are uh, fans of historical fiction as well as serial killer thrillers will find that a good read. With with the COVID and everything going on lately, have you had any issues with writing yourself? Uh, you mean with respect to COVID? Yeah, like, you know, with all the stress and the tension and people and being locked down and all the different things going on. Uh, does that sort of affect your writing? Uh, well, that is also a good question. Uh, well, that hasn't affected my writing per se. In fact, in some ways, it's uh, made me more focused on writing because of the restraints on society with the COVID and the lockdowns uh, last year and uh, all the twists and turns of this deadly pandemic. It's sort of forced me to really have more time than I would have normally had to focus, especially last year when uh, the way things were going in the country was hard to get out at all. And so that just had me really hunker down in my office and really focus on my stories and getting them done. I ended up writing four books last year as a result. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but as far as the overall with the uh, coronavirus, it certainly has had an impact on all of us, I think, to one degree or another. And it's uh, it's just an unfortunate thing that we've all had to deal with the first time, I guess, in a century, something similar to this. And so uh, it, if nothing else, I think it, Causes all, causes all of us to take stock in our lives and you know, see what's important and what isn't with uh, 
800 plus thousand people dead in this country alone from this killer virus. Uh, it's certainly been a wake-up call that you have to have your affairs in order and you know, know what's important and what isn't in the final analysis and uh, try to make the most of what you're doing in life, what makes you happy. And uh, don't put off too long for tomorrow what you could do today. You, know, you mentioned uh, writing historical fiction, and I was just wondering, you know, do you have a process by which you get into into the mind of a historical character? Uh, well, mainly I just uh, try to study the time frame that I'm writing about so that I can have a good handle on the dynamics of that time and the mm. types of things people went to. Uh, it's really an interesting process when you're writing historical fiction because you don't have the uh, contemporary setting where you know everything that's going on today and you can write your books in that regard. But for historical fiction, you have to know about the time frame and the customs, uh, clothing, the way the criminal justice system works, in my case, for uh, dark streets of Whitechapel. And so you, in the types of you know weapons, people may have used there, the bad guys and the good guys. Uh, so you have to be more committed to understanding surroundings so that you can make your story credible. And that includes uh, dialogue, important. A lot of the things that we say routinely today in America, uh, they didn't say in the 18, the 1880s in America or England. So if it's going to be a credible book, especially for those people who are historians that are reading it, you have to make sure you've done your homework so that you can have a storyline that fits with the time frame that you're writing about. Wow. Um, now, so what do you got coming up next? Like, what, what's, what, what can we expect from Barry in the next little while? Uh, well, I have two uh, crime thrillers coming from Harlequin Intrigue, uh, The Big Island Killer, and uh, Kidnapped on Kauai. These will be coming out in September and October, back-to-back -back months this year. And then um, I have another book right now uh, that just came out this very month from Harlequin and Tree called Chasing the Violet Killer. Uh, right now, I'm the only male author, actually, with Intrigue in the modern era. They had some years ago, I was told, but haven't had any in recent memory. So uh, I'm trying to pave the way for other male authors who can uh, write some great romantic suspense and crime thrillers for this series. Um, but uh, this, I think, is a great book for me that I hope that 
readers will take a look at. This one involves a, series, a Secret Service agent who witnesses her uncle being murdered during a video chat. And so this draws her back to her small hometown in Oregon for his funeral. And then at the same time, she gets involved with trying to help solve the case. Um, and she's working with her ex-boyfriend who happens to be a homicide detective that's working on the case that involves a serial killer called Violet Killer because he leaves a single Violet uh, in the mouths of his victims his calling card. <laughs> and so uh, that is uh, the essence of this storyline. And I think that uh, people that are interested in serial killer fiction will find Chasing the Violet Killer a great lead. And those who like a nice uh, tense legal thriller, exposed evidence, which has certainly hit the mark. Well, that's it for, you know, Dave will like that. He's into that tense <laughs> stuff. You know. uh, so do you have a website now people can come find you on, or how do you like to Yes, absolutely. www.rberryflowers.com. And then I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and even uh, Wikipedia as well. You type up my name, you'll see my page there. Get some other information on some of my books over the years and TV appearances. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. We will have all that up on our website as well so that people can find you if they don't remember or if they're listening, they can just do one click and uh, off to find you. So Great. Um, that sounds good. Yeah. So now the book to buy is called Exposed Evidence, and it's a Jessica Frost legal thriller, and our guest is the author, R. Barry Flowers. Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Uh, it was great to be here again, and I uh, look forward to coming back again in the future as well. Thanks, Barry. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.